summoned through the dimension of sound. People explore the musical world which they believe to be true. But there is a world unheard by some that is filled with stories of an unknown reality, a jazz side. Episode 12 of Tales from the Jazz Side is with cellist, bassist, Jennifer Vincent. My guest today on Tales from the Jazz Side is cellist, bassist, Jennifer Vincent. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Veronica. Okay, um, thank you for, uh, we're doing this a second time, of course. Sorry, that's awesome. Because I messed up the first time, but... Um, I got to clean my house twice, so... Yeah. <laughs> But I appreciate you uh, taking the time out. No problem. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, interestingly, when you have history with people, um, how, you know, when you think about them, all these different memories kind of come to the surface. And, you know, some of them are like, you know, why? Why did I think about that one? Why did that one come up? And uh, I've noticed that a topic that comes up a lot with most of the guests uh, that I've had so far has been around uh, what I like to call... Uh, in the trenches gigs uh, and you and I of course we've done some serious in the trenches gigs um, you know and I think that's a place where you really get to know each other now we we've done some uh, I guess one of the famous ones that you mentioned in the last interview that no one will ever hear except <laughs> in, in archives um, the Blue Water Grill oh yes yeah the five hour what was that five hour six hours or yeah. five and a half or something yeah it's yeah. five, six, and um, they didn't want to hear us. Right, right. You know, they kept saying, turn down, turn down, right. turn down, to where we didn't even have the volume on. Right, <laughs> right. I remember sometimes you'd make up, in, like, lyrics. Yeah. And, and just to see if people were paying attention, it was very funny. Were you were you there at the time when they were still smoking? Were you playing with us then when they were smoking? Still, they still yes, allowed smoking? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Mid nineties, so, dude. Yeah, so you, yep. <laughs> you go way back. Oh yeah. Okay. So now, when I met you, how long had you been in New York City? Oh, geez, so I've been in New York City since the fall of ninety two. So I think we met maybe ninety six. Yeah. Okay. So four years, I guess. Okay. Um, now researching, I usually research my guests a lot, of course, and there it's okay. You can clear your throat okay, and cough. You. And <laughs> just try not to burp. If you, okay. <laughs> you can help it. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you can if you want. Don't don't feel. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, but I do a lot of research uh, on guests, and uh, there's this uh, website called TalkBase.com, mm-hmm. and there's a thread on there uh, where you know everybody's writing about where they think you're originally from. There's all this confusion. Some think you're from Canada. Other people say Portland, Oregon. Uh, someone wrote that they went to school with you in Salem, Oregon. So. Clear that up for us. Okay. I'm from Salem, Oregon. I went to high school mm-hmm. there. And then I went to college in, on cello in, at Oberlin Conservatory in Ohio. Then um, I didn't finish. I went back to Portland for a year. I'm not from Portland. But um, I played bass in Portland, just, just, you know, chucked around in Portland playing bass. Then I went to Montreal for a year. Okay. So, <laughs> That's where the Canada part Right, is. right. Yeah. And, and I, I'm like an honorary Canadian to my Canadian friends. Oh. Then I came to New York. So I am from all of the above. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but originally from Salem, born and raised. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, and Salem is not Portland. 
a lot of people say, you know, like, I know that people don't think Salem is Portland, but a lot of people who know that I'm from Oregon think I'm from Portland. Okay, is it because Salem's close to Portland? Yes, yeah, it's, it's close, and Portland is a big jazz town, so oh, they okay, think yeah. I'm from Portland, and, and I love Portland, but I'm actually from Salem. So. Wow, is there yeah. like a large, is there music, is it jazz in Salem, or, and or just jazz school, or? No, no, I mean, just that's just where I went to high school, that's oh. just where I was born, but Portland has a lot of jazz clubs. Okay. It's huh? really good. Yeah, yeah, it is really, everybody uh, keeps saying, you had to go to Portland and play, so. Yeah, it's, <clears> Mel Brown lives there, and. Who? He's awesome. Mel Brown, he's a great drummer. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, besides the obvious, um, what is the difference between playing the cello and playing the bass? I mean, is it a big difference? Um, do you prefer playing cello or the bass? Um, well, I started on cello, and I have more training on cello, but I've been playing bass consistently since I started, and I quit cello for like 10 years to focus on bass. So... I actually consider myself more of a bass player, but in recent years, for the past like eight years or so, I've actually been playing cello on a semi-regular basis. Okay. So I, I'm not half and half yet, but mm -hmm. I'm still playing more bass than cello. And bass is a lot different for me because I was having postural problems when I was playing cello by sitting down and bowing while my while I was sitting down. For some reason, my right shoulder blade was tightening. Oh, interesting. And so I got a lot of like uh, scar tissue in my right shoulder and a lot of pain in my right <sighs> neck and shoulder. Okay. And then. When I started playing bass, I was standing up and my postural problems somehow corrected themselves mm -hmm. and alleviated a lot of the pain that I was in. So posture-wise, it's very different because when you, you sit when you play cello and usually you stand when you play bass. And mm -hmm. then it's also the fingerings are different. A cello is tuned in fifths. A bass is tuned in fourths. Okay. That I know. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, know the bass. I don't know yeah. the cello. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I played a more arco on cello. And I played more classical on cello and I play more jazz on bass. And So it's it's... It's a completely different experience. However, the mm -hmm. older I get, the more I'm practicing classical on, cello, on bass and the more I'm playing jazz and world music on cello. So I'm, oh. I'm getting more used to both instruments, and so I'm trying to fuse a musical concept on both instruments and not limit myself based on the instrument I'm playing. Oh. And that's happening with age. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I guess when we get to a certain age, we start um, either repeating, you know, not not getting outside of our box, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and just stay where we are, mm -hmm. right? Or we explore and we say, look, you know what? I've done this. I want to I wanna step and do something mm -hmm. a little bit more with this. So. Yeah, and it's not even that I'm trying. It's just happening naturally. Oh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of weird. You know? Yeah, the evolution, I think, <laughs> yeah. of an artist, which I think is real important, is for us to evolve as mm -hmm. artists. Yeah. Um, now, oh, and do you prefer to play cello or prefer to play, oh, meant to... I mean, I play mostly mostly bass. Like eighty percent of the time, I play bass, and it's not that I prefer one or the other. It's just, it's just that I'm a I'm a professional like bass player, and then who also plays cello, and and I'm d doing a lot of that now. So I guess both. I guess I'm both, but mostly a bass player. But I, it's not like I prefer one or the other. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. So whoever's listening, say, oh, well, she prefers to play bass, so let's not hire her for cello. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it depends on the gig too. Right, right. <laughs> it's like wait, wait. Okay, so now. Your career, you uh, you can be heard on TV themes and soundtracks, commercials, um, some of the list of teachers, other musicians you've played with, of course, are very impressive. Um, like artists that you've worked with, singer Betty Carter, mm -hmm. John Hendricks, Abby Lincoln, uh, the Boys Choir of Harlem. Mm -hmm. And then there's the teachers like Ron Carter and Buster Williams and Andy Gonzalez 
and, and Kachayuto uh, from Cuba. Yes, and that's yeah. the one that I'm curious about because, uh, as I understand it, you traveled to Cuba and you ended up studying with him in Cuba. I mean, what was that? Okay, How, what, okay. What, so what's the, the story? Okay, that? the story behind that is Steve Kirby, who used to live here. He's a great yeah, bass player yeah. who used to live here, and he he um, teaches up in Winnipeg now. Mm-hmm. He runs a jazz program up there. Uh, they called him because they wanted Cachayito was in town with the Buena Vista Social Club. Yes. And, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, what's this guy's name? Um, no, you can use Okay. <laughs> Frank, Frank Emilio. F- Frank Emilio. And he played, he's a, an old, old-time Cuban pianist who played with a lot of guys from Buena Vista Social Club. So it was pretty much Buena Vista Social Club featuring Frank Emilio. Okay. And Cachaito is the nephew of Israel Cachao Lopez, and Israel Cachao Lopez is the most famous bass player from Cuba. He's the guy that that founded the mambo, oh, that comes wow. at the end of a of a danzón, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's you know famous, famous, famous in Cuba. And so the whole bass, the whole uh, Lopez family plays bass. Everybody has to play bass. And so Cachaito is Cachao's nephew. Cachaito was the bass player on this project. Steve Kirby, Lincoln Center called Steve Kirby to rent his bass. Steve didn't have an extra bass at that time to rent. Steve recommended me. I was able to rent my K bass to Cachaito. And so it was awesome. So wow. I got to go to all the rehearsals. <laughs> I got to watch him play my bass. I got to listen to my bass on the radio. It was mm-hmm. awesome. And then um, I bugged him for lessons. Yeah. And um, I was actually starting to play Latin music at the time. And he, Cachaito, ended up writing me lots and lots of pages of uh, patterns to practice. On, based on different progressions okay. at like a kind of a medium cha-cha-cha tempo. Mm-hmm. And then he came to New York two more times after that, mm-hmm. and I hooked up with him every time. Mm-hmm. And then w- I went to Cuba in 2001, and um, I was staying at the Hotel Nacional, and I didn't know this, but Cachayito lived one block away. <laughs> and so I was I st- right. I'm not making this up. I, I, I don't speak Spanish, so I couldn't call him, I, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and so I'm walking down the sidewalk, and he's on his his deck and he calls my name I'm like oh my god wow. so I, I hung out at his place for like two days yeah. in Cuba and he laid a bunch more lines on me like written wow. out bass lines and concepts on how to play on different progressions wow it was an incredible story <laughs> and then I saw him again in New York after that mm-hmm. so we got together six or five or six times and we built a nice friendship wow yeah well you mentioned just quickly you said um, it was nice to hear your bass can bassists really recognize their I mean, do you, can you recognize? Oh, this is like the kind of this is the sound of my bass, or, or, or no, or it's just that the idea that you knew he was playing your bass. Yeah, it was just nice to know that he was playing my bass, and he sounded so good, and he made my bass sound great. Oh. So, and plus, like, I play gut strings, and he put he had me put steel strings on wow. my bass for him because okay. he wanted to play steel, so it didn't really sound the same as it, it would. Exactly, yeah. it didn't sound the same. It sounded similar, but not exactly the same. Yeah, wow. Plus, he's his own player, so he put yeah, his, his own, own sound style, on his whole thing on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm I'm always blown away by uh, musicians and artists, singers, songwriters who step outside of their box. I had mentioned earlier about stepping outside of your box, but and, and not to just alter, you know, their style completely, but to embrace other cultures, you know, and, and other cultures, artistry, and incorporate, uh, incorporate it in some way mm-hmm. 
into their craft and their style. And I feel like you're one of those kinds of artists that does that. Um, you look at swing band, big band, orchestra, combo, Middle Eastern, and you mentioned um, uh, Mr. Lopez. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you all, that I think that explains why you have such a strong root. Uh, you have strong roots in Latin music. Um, you know, I think of when um, that that line that you created in, in on that's all for us in standard delivery mm -hmm. that was just brilliant well, and thanks. it made the song. Well, thank you. It made the song. So um, we're going to talk about in a little bit um, how the strong Latin roots has led you to this new project you're working on. Right. But before we do that, I wanted to get your thoughts on. What is it uh, uh, about being a woman instrumentalist in jazz or classical music? I mean, do you feel uh, you're treated differently? Do you feel it's a benefit, a detriment being a woman? Well, in classical, um, it's a non-issue, really. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, and uh, especially as a cellist, I see an equal amount of female and male cellists. Yeah. And even like famous cellists, I see an equal amount. Mm -hmm. And in jazz nowadays, there's tons of great female bass players. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm like Esperanza Spalding is the most famous one right mm -hmm. now, and there's tons of other ones. Mm -hmm. You know, there's um, some of my favorites are you know, you know, Mimi Jones, Miriam mm -hmm. Sullivan, mm -hmm. uh, Marianne McSweeney, Mar uh, Melissa Slocum, mm -hmm. uh, Nobuko, mm -hmm. um, uh, Oreda, I think. Wait. No, Noruko, Noruko Oreda. Oh, no, yes. No. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I can't pronounce her name. <laughs> oh, my okay. God, it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, my God. And there's this uh, uh, woman who works at Lincoln Center. I just met her. Her, cat name, her first name's Kathleen. Mm -hmm. And I'd be playing a concert with her tonight. Oh, excellent. Because we're going to kick off the uh, jazz, the jazz, uh, Lincoln Center Middle School Jazz Program mm -hmm. tonight. Mm -hmm. And then there's uh, Linda O. Oh, I love her. Okay. She's really amazing. And there's tons of really, or Debbie Kennedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen her in a million years. Yeah. And there's other ones that I, I don't know them. well. I don't know their names, but they they sound great. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. I've uh, seen them at clubs, and I see them like through the window or whatever, and I listen to them for a minute. And Carlene Ray, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the nice baritone, yeah. female baritone singer, she was a fantastic bass player. She sounded like really? Mills Hinton. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, uh, that's like for basses. What about like with, um, you know, well, keyboard players, I tend to see more of those. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of uh, horn players. Right? There, there, there's a few now. Yeah. There's a few now. There's mm -hmm. a, quite a few really good saxophone players. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And we have two awesome, amazing trombone players in, in the band that we're going to be talking about later. Okay. Shannon Barnett, one oh. of our trombone players, she just got the big gig in Cologne, Germany with the big band. Oh, yeah. I can't okay. remember the name of this big band, but it's like... You know, one of the best gigs to have in jazz. And yeah, out of the United States, right? Or is it in? Ger it's it's Germany. in. It's based in Germany. In Germany. Oh, it's okay. like some radio big band, and and you make oh. a great salary, and they give you a place to live. Wow. So I mean, if once you get that gig, you just don't give it up. And I think the last person to have it had it for like at least a decade yeah. before he gave it up. You know, oh, and wow. she she got the gig. I mean, you have to be like the best at what you do. Really, Shannon Barnett, and she's just absolutely <laughs> incredible. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I really, when I think about your playing, I mean, I, first of all, I love, for the, I love you. Oh, <laughs> uh, I Thanks. love your playing and I, you know, I always have, I always will. And what I feel you bring as an artist to the project is exactly who you are. 
Jennifer Vincent. And, you know, like sometimes when you play with musicians, you know, you get a, a, a part of them that's just kind of their, their musician, you know, facade type of thing. And then kind of who they are is not always inside that. Mm -hmm. And you always bring yourself uh, completely to anything oh, that uh, I've heard you play either with us. And I always speak about listening ability, you know, that that's one of my main things um, for people, musicians, to really listen. And that's what I find so amazing and invaluable, uh, especially as a singer, um, and I'm sure other instrumentalists will agree, that your skill, your talent for listening and to anticipate the personal rhythmic flow, um, the personal timing of the people you play with. Now, um, is that just, and I think that's a very rare thing. It's like, it's like connecting on a same wavelength. And is there a process that you have with doing that? Or uh, is... Well, I, not really. It's just that, like, you know, I find myself playing with different people every day. So, like, you have to adjust, you know, other, I mean, it's not going to happen if, if it's not flowing. So it's whoever you're playing with, I'm not out front. I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. the solo instrument and I'm not usually not playing the melody. I'm usually accompanying. And so when I play cello, sometimes I do play melodically. And so then people have to kind of fall in line with what I'm doing. Okay. But when I'm a bass player, which is not 80, 90% of what I do, you know, I'm laying down a foundation for people to play on. So if I'm not hooking up with what's going on around me, then it's just, it's not going to, enhance the situation it's not going to make the situation flow musically so yeah. and then also I believe in pulse not time yes and um it's and music is based on a pulse it's not based on any kind of time and like whatever you do is based on a pulse mm -hmm. like whatever you want to do rhythmically if you want to stretch it or if you want to like rush it or drag it or like do weird things over it, it has to be over a pulse mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know because because yeah. the beginning of the next phrase or an accent on a phrase coming up as long as it breathes together it works it doesn't necessarily have to be you know because what what if what if somebody one day like feels a little anxious and they're so they're really pushing yeah or yeah. like what if like i'm tired and i happen to be dragging or you know what i'm saying so <laughs> yes. it's like if the yes. band is feeling the pulse yeah. together that's to me it works better than trying to base something on a metronomic time yeah and it it always sounds it's so organic and it makes it very easy to get from point A to point B and through the song. Well, so cool. you're not fighting, you know, you're not right. resisting things. Uh, do you teach? You teach? Yeah, I I have taught a lot. Um this this year I just got this job teaching for the uh Jazz at Lincoln Center program, the mm -hmm. uh, middle school program. Oh cool. So I that was just starts there this last week. week. Oh cool, yeah. yeah. So that that'll start this week. Wow, okay. Yeah, so. All right. It gives doing... me a reason to go visit. Cool. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, cuz we're doing the kickoff concert tonight actually. Oh, so. beautiful. It's funny that you mentioned that. So. Yeah, no. No, that's <laughs> actually interesting cuz yeah. I I've always wanted to ask you um if you did that. Mm -hmm. After, I know you what, for 78 years, and I've yeah. always wanted to ask yeah, yeah. you. No, actually, I didn't teach for a long time. I only had one bass student, and he came to me for, like, a long time, and he loved, you know, but that's the only student I had for, like, eight years. <laughs> then year before, last year I did a Broadway show after midnight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that then, was great. Thanks. And then the year before that, I taught an after-school classical string program. Actually, it wasn't just classical. It was, like, classical and world music. So mm -hmm. I did some charanga with some violinists. And it was like a chamber music, after yeah. school chamber orchestra. And then I also taught some cello lessons. And so I did a lot of like classically oriented string teaching uh, the year before last. And I still teach private cello lessons up in Scarsdale. Oh, okay. So, cool. yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot of like the 
classical cello mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's yeah. still for, for what you teach. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now let's get to the um, what you're working on right now, uh, the project we had mentioned earlier with mm-hmm. the strong Latin roots. Yeah. Um, Coco Mama. <laughs> yes. Tell, tell us about Coco Mama. Okay. Coco Mama is a nine-piece, all-female ensemble. And I used to say Latin ensemble, and it's based mostly in Latin music, but we've kind of expanded a little bit, and it's kind of like, not exactly pan-Latin, but it's almost world, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're uh, incorporating some African grooves. Not so much on our first CD, but on our, you know, our next CD that we're going to be doing next year. <laughs> we're going to be incorporating more of that. But, like, we have, like, some salsa, some timba, some tango, some Brazilian stuff. So that's kind of like a pan-Latin kind of thing mm-hmm. with some jazz influence also and some also uh, funk and hip-hop influences. Wow. So, wow. Did you write anything for that? I didn't write anything, but I arranged, I had a lot to do in, I'm an assistant producer, Mm -hmm. and I, a lot of our arrangements are collective arrangements, Mm -hmm. and I arranged a song uh, called Mi La Re Sol, which is, you know, uh, the strings of the bass, Mm -hmm. um, written by Guillermo Edgehill, and I arranged that piece. Oh, okay. So, and it's kind of a bass feature. Okay. And I arranged a cello arrangement on that. Oh, beautiful. And when... I know you guys were mastering today, right? Yeah, we final mastering today. Ah, excellent. Oh, God. <laughs> so that'll be out soon, and I'll be able to post it uh, on the website so that uh, you know people can listen to samples and yeah. everything. Um, okay, so now we're going to go to the basement, where okay. um, the, the core of what the show is about, what I really like about the show, okay, which cool. is being scared. <laughs> I love fear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are you ready? Yes. Okay. So now, uh, question number one. Tell us about someone that you have worked with who was a little frightening to you, but in a good way. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Um, wow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had somebody say to me, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, nobody jumps out at me. Well, no, um, I mean, it's cool. I mean, maybe there is, um, you know, like I think if I had to work with Abby Lincoln, I probably, it would have made me really. But she didn't scare me, though. She was super sweet. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying for you, oh, okay. but for me as a singer mm-hmm. oh, okay, and a singer-songwriter, right. I would just be like, ah, blah, blah, blah. Wow. You know, <laughs> you know, no, I, nobody that I've worked with has really scared me, including Betty Carter, because wow, she she she, she continues to she she scares a lot of people. Yeah. The thing about Betty Carter with me was I was never officially in her band. I only filled in, okay. or I would just do one thing with her and then not see her for months and do one more thing. Okay. So it's not like my job was on the line. Oh, yeah, it's true. So that's true, <laughs> so, and that's one of the things that create fear with people. You know, right? Yeah, it's true. Right, right. and that's even true in music, folks, because. People think, um, you know, like if you're in a nine-to-five kind of corporate job, mm-hmm. and they, oh, you have the fear of being fired. It's the same thing as right, a musician. Right, Musically, f- fear, maybe like in situations where I, I was in this, I used to play in this really, really great group called the Pan-Asian Chamber Jazz Ensemble, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'd have to play cello in that group, and, you know, like I, did, I didn't play cello for a long time, and then I got back into it, and I was playing with this incredible classical uh, Juilliard-trained wow. violinist, and mm-hmm. so that would intimidate me. She wasn't scary. She was very nice, but the, her level of musicianship 
I would I would feel fear I would feel sometimes fearful to play in that situation. Right, right. Base wise, if Ron Carter was in the room, I'd feel scared. <laughs> but I never had to work for him. But right. you know, like, and I'd be scared at my lessons. Yeah. <laughs> you were scared at your lessons with him. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. Tell me the truth now. Tell uh, me. The yeah. Truth. <laughs> He's like. Play blues. It's like okay, and I'd play something for me. Because you don't know how to play the blues. I'm like okay, <laughs> and like one time he has this full length mirror in one of his rooms, mm-hmm. and so I'd be playing, and he'd just be looking at me like shaking his head, like oh my god. And so like I would see myself in the mirror, right. and then Ron Carter's there <laughs> looking down, shaking his head, and so that was terrifying, you know. Right, right. <laughs> like, he's like, oh god. And once, he, once, he, once he came to one of my gigs, and I was like, <laughs> I was like freaking out. <laughs> see, you did. So yeah, there you go. There was a story. Okay, for okay, you. okay. Yeah, yeah. I you know. Took some digging, but right now, well, you know, we, we with fear, we kind of suppress it. We put stuff yeah. real. Um, but you kept doing it. You kept going, and you kept taking lessons. And... Oh yeah, and when I first started playing bass, mm-hmm. sometimes like I was kind of a beginner, and I'd have to sit in with like my heroes, Maybe, like yeah. Gerald Cannon and Dwayne yeah. Burno. Mm-hmm. And Essie at Essie and all these incredible yes. bass players, and I was total like a weak. I was weak, you know, mm-hmm. and or I, so I thought. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very scary for me to sit in because they they were so nice. They're like, "Oh, come and sit in." And, wow. and I mean, just hearing this incredible bass playing, and then I would be like, you know, like, what do I play after that? You know. So that was that's another scary situation. This sitting in when I first started. Yeah, I want to ask you a question around that too because um, when you first started playing, did you? just work on the lines and do those until when did you feel comfortable enough to start uh, doing a solo you know to play a solo oh geez um well I lived in New York for several years and I actually had some good gigs before mm-hmm. I felt comfortable soloing oh cool interesting um, and mm-hmm. like I did play with Betty Carter and Abby Lincoln mm-hmm. um before I started feeling comfortable soloing even though I knew how to play a solo I didn't really feel comfortable or free soloing until I started playing with Harry Whitaker. Oh, and okay. yeah, Harry Harry's a very nurturing. That's about around when I met you. Like yeah. yeah, and so he really like you know, like we'd be playing like another again another 5-hour gig at Arturo's. Yeah, you'd forced to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, I mean, talk about paying dues for a second, okay? <laughs> I did this week I did a $20 gig at the garage. All right. And then yesterday I did a $70 school show and I got a $65 parking ticket. So yesterday I made $5. So I'm still doing trench gigs. Anyway, so that's a, that's a previous topic. But anyway. Taking us at the top. Yeah. Taking me back to the top. Yeah. Take us back to the top yeah. then, Jennifer. D.C. <laughs> da Capo. Right. <laughs> no, but so it's like, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, no, no, that was, no, no, that was perfect because I was, I was curious about that. I've always wanted to ask you, uh, when did you feel comfortable soloing? Yeah, Harry Whitaker. So, like, he would he would play a song. He'd be like, okay, like, he'd do a vamp, and he'd have me take an in, solo, vamp intro up front. Mm-hmm. He'd always have me solo, and then he'd have me do a vamp at the end. So, and this is like piano and bass uh, gigs, mm-hmm. or piano, bass, and drums. And he would have me, he goes, just play, just play, just play. And so he'd be playing these incredible chords, and it's like, his spirit, like, inspired you. And so, like, I finally... I didn't think about what I knew how to play because I didn't really feel like I knew how to play anything, you know. Right, so like right. I, I threw all that out and just played my feelings, wow. and played how I was feeling and, and got it was like an emotional outlet. And that's the first time I really felt really comfortable like soloing as an expressive, hmm. uh, as an expressive thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's the second question. Um, 
out of all, you know, uh, the, uh, the scariest work in any medium, and I'm talking about, uh, you know, paintings or photographs, books, movies, television show or radio broadcast, even dreams, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what is the scariest work that you have encountered? You like musically or anything? Well, just like, you know, uh, this is kind of takes us out of the, it could be music. Some people talked about dreams. Uh, one guest talked about a television show that scared the hell out of him. You mm-hmm. know, I love horror fiction and horror movies. Right. So Does uh, it have to be an artistic thing or, or? I could be whatever you want it to be. Okay. Well, right now, um, I'm really scared about the Ebola crisis and, oh. and I'm not scared about it for us because mm-hmm. we're going to be able to contain it. Okay. Um, I'm, of course, I'm scared for whoever con- contracts it, okay. even if they're you know living here in America. But like, I'm very scared for these West African countries that don't have any kind of medical infrastructure. And um, yeah, so I'm very terrified for for West Africa right now. Wow. Yeah, yeah I am too. And I think that uh, at some point, when do we all realize that it's going to affect us? Mm-hmm. You know, as long we always think it's over there, it's mm-hmm. not going to affect us. But now they're finding cases here, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it's an interesting thing that you said that because I believe Jay Anderson, um, the bassist, great bassist, his was guns. Mm-hmm. You know that the uh, we need the need for more gun control. Right, interesting. Yeah, so that's interesting that the two of yeah. you guys came up. Me, a horror movie, a horror book, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, Twilight Zone scares me. Uh, <laughs> I should sure. not be on the board of Brooklyn for Peace. Okay, so now, the last question. Mm-hmm. What is the scariest thing that has ever happened to you while performing live? That's easy. <laughs> I got stung. You got oh. Yeah. Oh, no, no, did I get stung? No, no, two, two, two things. Okay, one time I was playing a gig out in a field and the grouse was very thick and there were these huge horse flies and they were biting my ankles. That was awful. And then there was another one where there was like some large bee or a wasp or something. I didn't even recognize it. It was some kind of a hornet or something. Mm-hmm. And it was flying around me and I couldn't like... I couldn't like leave the stage. Right. What do you? He, saw, he was like, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, you know, like I couldn't really, you know, that that was terrifying. That that was really scary. Yeah. And 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 you were thinking you're either going to get stung, or did you think by that you're not going to be able to play? Uh, I didn't even well, think about that. Oh, you weren't even thinking about that. <laughs> Get that bee away from me. Oh, I got to make sure we don't play in any fields. Oh, but, 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 yeah. Okay. But in terms of playing, yeah. I, I did an uh, Abby Lincoln retrospective mm-hmm. um, on cello, and I hadn't played cello in a long time. Ah. So before I went on the stage, I was like, shit, I don't even know if I can play any note on the cello. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. Uh-huh. I was just, like, shaking. Yeah. I was so, and then once in high school, I almost threw up before a concerto competition. Yeah. I didn't throw up, but I almost, I thought I was going to. So I, I did, the, my scariest times have been with cello. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I don't really sc- feel scared with bass. Because you feel so at, uh, at home with the bass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to ask you, is there anything you would like to say or share with uh, women, young women that are starting to play the bass or become instrumentalists either in jazz or classical mm-hmm. or, you know, just some insight? Mm-hmm. Um, no, if you want to do it, do it, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, if you, even if you don't become professional, it's great to start anyway, because you can play an instrument your whole life, and so whether or not you become professional, you can enjoy it your whole life, and one of the biggest, one of my mo- the most common comments people make to me when they see me wheel a bass or a cello down the street 
is that, oh, I used to play, they always say, I used to play like in high school or in elementary school or something, and I quit and I really regret it. So that's the biggest thing they say to me is that they regret playing. So no matter what you do with music, Mm -hmm. it's... It, whether or not you make a profession out of it, you can always enjoy it your whole life. And then if you want to be a bass player, mm-hmm. I would say go for it because everybody needs a bass player. Yes, and chances always. are <laughs> chances are you'll get work. <laughs> Especially in jam sessions, that's like no the you know, the same bass player is in a jam session playing all night. Yeah. So rare as a cat comes up and play. Okay, yeah. so anyway, <laughs> this was incredible, Jennifer. Oh, I thank right. you so much for doing this uh, again. And I think that we... It's over? Yeah, Aww. well... <laughs> yeah. So fast. Yeah, oh. it does go quickly once we've done it one time. Yeah. <laughs> I got the pulse down for right. this one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, thank you so much uh, for doing the show. And that wraps it up for us here on Tales from the Jazz Side. The jazz side is always there, waiting for us to enter and waiting to enter us. So, until next time, unplug your ear holes, for you never know what worlds may be waiting for you.